0: You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station
1: 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. So, here you are. Too foreign for home. Too foreign for here. Never enough for both. Ijuoma Umebinyo. Diaspora Blues. What makes you smile and adds a spring to your step? What does it mean to belong? And how do we build a home away from home? Diaspora Blues is a show that contemplates what is and what could be. Join Busto and Bigwa every Monday at 2.30 on 3CR Community Radio. Produced, Produced by Jan. Don't too close. You're listening to Diaspora Blues, a 3CR radio program produced on Wurundjeri country. I am Ayan Shirwa. Before we begin, I want to send out my condolences to Archie Roach's family, community, and anyone else who's been impacted by his music and activism. Archie's music shaped the national conscience. It painted pictures of struggle and resistance, and most importantly, black joy. He was also a frequent visitor of 3CR and even performed his seminal hit, Charcoal Lane, with partner and singer Ruby Hunter for a 1990 3CR broadcast. Robbie Thorpe from 3CR's Black Block programmed a beautiful tribute to Archie's legacy today. To listen back to that show, visit 3cr.org.au forward slash the Black Block. That is 3CR. Dot dot au forward slash the black block. Throughout the show, I will be playing some tracks from Archie, starting off with Charcoal Lane. Stick around because after Charcoal Lane, we will hear my interview with Tony Fretten from Pacifica X. Side
2: by side, we walk along. To the end of Gertrude Street, and we'd top all the master for a quart of wine, thick got then right or wrong, in the cold and in the heat, we'd cross over Smith Street to the end. And we'd laugh and sing, do anything to take away the pain. Trying to keep it down as it first went down in Charcoal Lane. Spending young and telling jokes, now the wine is tasting good. Cause it's getting closer and closer To its hands Have a sip And roll some smokes We'd smoke better maids if we could But like we just made do with some city we planned blend Then we'd all chuck in We'd start to grin, when we had enough to do it again But if things got hard, then we had to buy For Charcoal Lane Up Gertrude Street, we'd walk once more With just a few cents short Stop at the builder to see who we could see. Then we'd ride around until we scored. Better at home, all alone, and the next day we do it again. Have a revival in Charcoal Lane, I'm a survivor of Charcoal Lane.
1: That was 1990s hit song Charcoal Lane by Archie Roach. Accent
3: to women. It seems so obvious to me that if you live in a in a completely violent um, cultural milieu that it's going to translate into every aspect of women's lives.
1: Accent to women. What's a border? They don't see it like a big wall right along the.
3: How can people live
1: ordinary lives when they're living in such an extraordinary situation where, are too, where there are armies there and terrorists there, such conflict every single day of their lives? Accent of Women, a show by and about women from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds on Community Radio 3CR. And you are listening to the Aspora Blues, a 3CR radio program. I am Ayan Shirwa. Last week, seven man, seven Manly Sea Eagles players made the news when they threatened to sit out a game against the Roosters. What caused this fuss? Six lines. Six rainbow lines to be exact. The Everyone in League kit, also known as the Pride jersey, was rolled out by Manly Sea Eagles. The jersey was designed to celebrate inclusivity and diversity. The men, however, believed that wearing the jerseys conflicted with their religious beliefs. When news got out about the play boycott, there were cries of homophobia and intolerance and a swift call to reprimand the men. The loudest voices demanded swift action and among the cacophony, there were quieter voices calling for nuance. One of those people was Tony Fretton. Tony is the founder of Pacifica X a Pacific Islander LGBTIQ community organisation. He is also one of the presenters of PXBANU, and LGBTIQA plus Pacifica podcast that explores the lived experiences of Pacifica X communities during the COVID-19 pandemic. So I reached out to Tony to get his thoughts and find out what he reckons meaningful diversity looks like to him.
3: Welcome to Diaspora Blues, Tony. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And always, always a pleasure to, to, to have a chat with you, Ayan. Oh, that's just so nice, Tony. I spoke to you earlier, you and the other members of Pacifica X. But for folks who did not hear that interview, can you introduce yourself to our listeners?
0: Absolutely. So first of all, to everyone. My name is Tony K. Fretton. My pronouns he, him. I am the founder of Pacific X, which is a Pacific Islander LGBTQIA plus non-for-profit advocacy group here in Nam in Melbourne. And we currently have a show on 3 cr called uh, PX Final which it's short little snippets and uh, it can be found on the 3CR website. But uh, yeah, mainly our perspective is from the Pacific Islander queer uh, point of view and really, really grateful to be here.
3: Awesome. Well, you're here under not fantastic circumstances. You're here to talk about the Manly Pride jersey. But before we go into detail, can you tell us about your initial reaction? So when you first heard it, what were your thoughts?
0: I'd heard a little snippet about it and I... I don't watch much TV or watch much news, but it popped up on my actual social media feed, you know, just, you know, normal morning check. And I thought, OK, what is this? And initially it was a little bit triggering because anything to do with, um, I guess, rugby and sport. It's not a new thing. Oh, and then plus queer, having those two together, it's 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 almost been a conversation that, um, yeah, it becomes triggering because we've seen this type of conversation happen uh, through Israel Folau and there was a lot of media uh, attention around his thoughts, him being a Pacific Islander, and then his discussion around not, you know, um, not wanting to, uh, I, I guess... Coexist at the time during marriage equality and being very against marriage equality. So, um, my initial reaction when I saw the little snippet, I knew it. And this is very earlier, um, when I think it first what came out in in social media. I knew that it was going to stir um, a conversation that's mm. always very um, destructive, and it always brings out very destructive and unhelpful um, discourse and conversation. Um, and initially I just thought, okay, I, uh, I don't know what's happening here. I, I, not, it was more of, I, my heart was out already for the community. Like I feel really sorry for what's going to happen.
3: Yeah. I mean, when I first heard about it, the only, um, reactions or responses that I saw online at least were from mainly white queer folks. And I was like, Hmm. I want to hear from the community. What's the community saying? And you were one of the first social media posts that I saw, and I realized it was an article, and I was like, what? So I read the article, and I thought it was very important for you to weigh in. Uh, But I'd love to hear why you thought it was important to speak out. Absolutely.
0: When you look at issues around queer and especially around around rugby, as I mentioned, come out, the louder voices, which are normally the white queer community, are out there flooding and speaking and talking about it. And it's almost like veiled with like an undertone of, uh, you know, racism. I'm going to just keep it really blunt because number one, I get it that they need to respond to something that's very anti-queer. But at the same time, there are a lot of discussion and arguments that are thinly veiled with sort of racist undertones, like, oh, these Pacific Island people, oh, these Pacific Island people. And at the end of the day, it's like, well, we are Pacific Island people too, and we are queer too. So being able to have somebody actually reach out to me and said, look, we would like your perspective, which I thought was really great. And I had one choice. It was either I'm going to answer it, um, tell a little bit of story of who I am and tell a little bit truth telling around um, this perception of our culture being super and uber, uber, uber homophobic, which is not the case, or be quiet and let somebody else speak on our behalf. And so. I took the opportunity, and I just had to share exactly what was on my mind and and the reality of things because um, the white queer community they they've never reached out to us they 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 don't they, not that they've never reached out it's mm-hmm. not a it's not a conversation that gets happened a lot we do our own thing in our own communities and you know, they focus on their issues, which is totally fine. But the real community that sort of that suffers out of these conversations are those who are are questioning the sexuality and in the closet, and especially around rugby. And the main percentage of people that play rugby are Pacific Islanders. Mm. Um, And so we're talking about our younger um, lesbian girls that are playing in female uh, rugby. And then we're talking about the in the closet, you know, gay males who are playing, um, you know, local sport, local rugby. And it then pushes those conversations in those circles. The repercussions of that is we've got a high suicide rate in our Pacific Island youth in the young people community. And because data is not really specific around it, it's only our collective data that we know from our friends and our family, a lot of them were sort of battling Um, issues around gender and around sexuality. So when big or corporations uh, do things that, for me, it's a marketing stunt to be like, hey, look, we've got a rainbow flag on our jersey. It makes us look very inclusive and all this, which is great. And, look, I'm all for it. Like, I love any kind of visibility for our general community. But when it then backfires and it comes across as, uh, or they actually had to apologise about their marketing stunt gone wrong, it now paints Pacific Islanders number one as mm. the evil far right Christian, you know, Pacific Islanders who are very homophobic. And then the afterthought is, who are the communities that really are affected by this? And that's why I needed to speak.
3: I'm glad you did. And first of all, I loved all the photos that they shared of you and your friends. I thought it was so beautiful. Um, what I find interesting and also ironic about this conversation is the the assumption that queerness is something very new to Pacifica communities and it's not can you say more on that
0: Absolutely. Well, in the article that I was part of, there was a professor, uh, Raviolo uh, Giorgi, who um, who quoted, and, and I think I'm really grateful for him to outline it. But queerness is a Western construct, because when we look at pre-colonization days, and even now, it's there's still after effects of that now. In the Pacific Islands, when we, and I'm talking specifically for Samoa, because some islands are very different, there is a, a cultural acceptance and then there is a religious uh you know sort of framework. When I walk around as a gay man in Samoa or a Fafafini, our third gender, you walk around on, on our Pacific Island and no one bats an eyelid. It's not a thing. When it comes to laws and legislation and things like that, it's which is based off the Bible, based of colonization, but they never really enforced. So there is law to prevent. Um, homosexual sex but it's not actively pursued by the police so when the people from the west so when the western world look into and say oh samoa has a a law for gay sex and gay marriage and all this thing they must be a homophobic country yes it's there but people never bat an eyelid it's never enforced it's not police are not knocking on your doors to arrest you for it and people generally um uh, are are very inclusive we've have fafa fingers who are driving the bus who are driving the taxis, who are bank managers, who are government leaders. Uh, they're all included in every single daily life. And so that's a perspective that um, the Western world can learn a lot from our country. Um, and when you look at colonisation, these uh, white, you know, religion, they came and they taught us how to do the religion. We, we This is not a thing from us, do you know what I mean? And so um, it's like you come and teach us how to be Christian and be You know, follow God, but we end up doing it better. And then we have the census that comes out that, you know, hardly anyone, any, you know, Australian goes to their church. It's like, so you come and teach us how to be church. We become better at doing church. And then you attack us for upholding the things that you taught us. These conversations need to happen, and a lot of it is coming from um, who are calling us homophobic and that sort of thing. It's the white queer community who are arguing against it. Do you know what I mean? And saying, oh, you seven rugby players, you need to be fired. How dare you? You need to, um, you know, you need to get some sort of repercussion from your actions that you're doing, which is very, you know, against our belief. But it's like, but hold on. This institution, this rugby organisation with million dollars or billions of dollars, whatever it is, never had conversations and consultation before they thought, hey, look, is this what the community really wants in terms of putting a rainbow flag on their jersey? Because it's not a sponsorship. We understand when uh, sponsors like rugby or gambling or alcohol or that sort of thing, those are paid sponsors. But when you're looking at virtue signaling exercise of just a rainbow flag, that's really important because no one's paying for that flag to be on there. It was their decision to put it on there and there was no proper discourse or conversation whether that was going to be something needed and whether it's going to be something helpful and whether all the rugby players are going to wear it because if they knew that these seven rugby players were not gonna wear it, then they could have come back and they could have been training, they could have been conversations, they could have been actual um, implementations put in place so that the after effects and the people that are affected um, are not put in a position where now, who knows uh, what's happening out there with the younger Pacific Island community and they don't care.
1: And that was Tony Fretten from Pacifica X, a Pacific Islander LGBTQI plus community organization. Listen back to the podcast series, PXFANU at 3cr.org.au forward slash PXFANU. FANU is spelled W-H-A-N-A-U. Follow Pacifica X on Instagram. Pacifica X is spelled P-A-C-I-F-I-Q-U-E-X.
2: She was born in the River Lane, born of her mother into her mother's hands. She was free as the river was wild. She was so innocent, such a beautiful child. What could they do with this child? Where was a neat solution? But there was nothing they could do So they gave her to the streets And she joined all the rest of the hungry and the tired fates
1: That was the Archie Roach with his track From Paradise from the 1993 album Jamu Dreaming. Imagine what it would be like to be homeless in a city under curfew and in lockdown. When your everyday life has been turned upside down and it becomes illegal to be on the street. Tune in to Homeless in Hotels, a three-part radio series giving voice to the people who went from a life on the street to a life in hotels, and the support workers experiencing the shifting ground on the front line of COVID-19, premiering on Thursday, July 28th, 12pm to 1pm, on 3CR, 855am, Homeless Homeless in in Hotels, a a 3CR supporter. supporter. Welcome back, you are listening to Diaspora Blues, a 3CR radio program. I am Ayan Shirwa. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Thank you again to Tony Fretton from Pacifica X for speaking with me. I really, really appreciate you and I really love picking your brain because I always feel like you have thoughtful, nuanced things to say, and I'm glad others got a chance to hear it. Follow Tony on Instagram at Navigator underscore four. You can check us out on our Instagram page at 3cr.diasporablues. That is where we share updates about our show and events happening in the community. Listen back to this episode and all of our previous episodes at 3cr.org.au forward slash diasporablues. Taking us out is our final track of Archie's. It's called Beautiful Child and it's from his 1990 debut album, Charcoal Lane. Join Ayan and the gang next week on 3CR Community Radio. Oh,
2: my beautiful child My beautiful child The brightest of stars Couldn't match your sweet smile But you grew up too soon Far beyond your young years Now all that remains Is your memory and tears You were always to blame And they put you through hell then they locked you away In a dark lonely cell But you weren't really babe Just a little bit wild Now they'll hound you no know. More Oh my beautiful child From this heartache and pain and misery When they found your body that day Some said you would smile, And I wish I was with you right now My beautiful child You'd been locked up before but you always came back With your head held high And so proud to be blessed But the last time they came How could I have known When they took you away That you'd never come home Yeah, they pushed you around Cause your skin wasn't white And although you were gentle You learned how to fight And you fought all your life No, you didn't fail But you deserved better than to die in some day. Ooh, beautiful, beautiful child, now you are free. Free from this heartache and pain and misery. said you'd smile, and I wish I was with you right now, my beautiful child, and I wish I was with you right now, my beautiful child.